Thanks for listening to The Leader. We're giving you the essential news, analysis, interviews and commentary you need every day at 4pm to get through the coronavirus crisis. Subscribe through your podcast provider to make sure you don't miss out. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Is coronavirus bringing an economic depression? Some of the figures that have been projected are unbelievable, um, really off the scale of anything we've seen, even in the financial crisis, even in the Great Depression. The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne on the brutal forecast being faced by governments all over the world. Also, for the arts, especially, who will lose huge amounts of money. I mean, it will be a long, long time until we actually fully realise the cost. The arts fight back. Robert Dex on how culture's trying to survive. And... I think about kind of 30 people in this WhatsApp group. We all decided to simultaneously watch Legally Blonde. Features editor Phoebe Lockhurst has your Friday night staying in guide. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the economic devastation coronavirus will bring in its wake. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. The closures are coming to London and they are vital. The Evening Standard reports pubs, restaurants, gyms, leisure centres and cinemas are all to be shut as the government tries to slow down the coronavirus spread. In the UK, it's just the capital facing the clampdown, but we've seen it in other cities all over the world and the hit to the economy is as inevitable as it will be brutal. Meanwhile, stockpilers aren't helping as they continue to strip shelves despite pleas from the Prime Minister and others to stop it. Our editorial column says action should be taken. In other European countries under severe lockdown, people are not having to queue around car parks to get into shops at dawn. The elderly and key workers are not being forced aside and some degree of public confidence remains. So what is going wrong here? It's not the fault of shop workers, and the shops can't solve this on their own. So is it the fault of selfish panic-buying shoppers? Up to a point, yes. Stockpiling fuels the shortages, which in turn cause more people to panic-buy. But it's pointless lecturing people about selfishness when real fears are causing them to behave selfishly. Something that is needed is a clear message and plan from the government to bring back confidence. It may take national rules on how much people can buy and enforcing them. If so, then make it happen. It will take a common front between ministers and retailers. All of this can be done and will work.
The Evening Standard's consumer business editor, Jonathan Prynne, joins me from his home over Skype. Jonathan, I want to speak to you about the damage coronavirus has caused in the economy. But first, on stockpiling, you've been looking at this too. And what kind of things are being done to stop it? Well, some of the measures that have already been introduced include these um, so-called silver hours, where people over 70 and other vulnerable groups get a dedicated hour where they can shop by themselves without uh, having to brave the the hordes of of stockpilers that we've seen in recent days. It looks like the silver hours, um, which all the big four supermarkets have have now um, introduced, they're going to be extended to um, key workers as well, the key workers who were defined by the government yesterday. Those key workers, nurses, teachers, food delivery drivers, those sorts of people will also, at least it's it's hoped that the supermarkets will also extend opening hours, um, exclusive opening hours to them as well, so they can there's no chance of them going without basics, food, toilet roll, that sort of thing. There's also been talk of some stores introducing measures such as if someone tries to buy two hand sanitizers, the first one might cost the usual two pounds or three pounds or whatever. But the second one will cost 250 pounds. And that's to try and stop people or just dissuade people through price mechanisms, I suppose, to uh, to to behave in an antisocial manner. So there are clearly people worried about short term concerns are trying to get as much stuff into their pantry as possible. They're trying to get as much onto the toilet roll holder as possible. But there are some bigger, longer term fears starting to emerge now, aren't there? You've been speaking to an economist who's worried not just about a recession coming, but a possible coronavirus depression. Yes, uh, I think the economists are increasingly alarmed about how deep the fall in economic activity is going to be in this quarter of the year, um, or, or rather the quarter of the year we're, we're about to enter in a, in a few days' time. It's now the end of March, which is the end of the, the first quarter of the year. Um, and, and some of the figures that have been projected uh, are unbelievable, um, really off the scale of anything we've seen even in the financial crisis, even in the Great Depression, um, possible double-digit falls in in GDP, and that, that's the, the nation's economic output, in the second quarter of the year, maybe 10, 12, 15% I've seen um, talked about uh, by some economists today, which, um, given that the, the worst quarterly fall in the financial crisis was, uh, was around 6%, uh, just gives you an idea of the sort of scale of um, downturn we're talking about, because basically whole swathes of the British economy are just going to be switched off for three, four, five months. We don't know. We don't know how long before it all starts to come back. So um, it is going to be a long, uh, well, hopefully not a long downturn, but a very deep downturn. Um, the length of it uh, is what we, we, we just don't know at the moment. So as a result of this economic downturn, are we going to be seeing long queues at the Dole office? Are people going to be laid off? Is that the sort of future we have for us? I, I fear so. Um, I mean, for all the great efforts that um, that people are making to try and hold on to staff, it's already starting to happen. There are some sectors where, um, right at the front line of this, uh, hospitality or the restaurant trade, the pub trade, um, the theatres, travel, tourism, uh, aviation, uh, which are already starting to shed large numbers of, of workers and or put people on short time. Um, 
and and that's going to continue. I, I think we will see an enormous spike in unemployment over the over the coming months. Maybe going up to the sorts of levels that we remember from from the eighties, three million or so, which which again hopefully will be a short term pain, um, and labour will be um, taken back on again when economic uh, normalcy normality returns, whenever that is. Next. This is stuff that's always been there. It's just, I guess, um, that the circumstances have changed and the audience has changed. Robert Dex on signs of hope for the arts. Game of Thrones star Maisie Williams' stage debut is being shown free on Instagram for theatre audiences starved of drama since the coronavirus lockdown. The actress played a housebound teenager in the American drama I and You at the Hampstead Theatre in 2018. With venues being closed down, the arts are turning virtual to keep audiences interested and entertained with some success. The British Museum is reporting a massive increase in users on its website. Our arts correspondent Robert Dex joins me. And Robert, everyone's being pretty hard hit by the effects of this virus. For the arts, especially who will lose huge amounts of money i mean it will be a long long time until we actually fully realize the cost of what's happening in all on all the closed theaters museums and galleries but what you're starting to see now is the shock is over and people are starting to think well what can we do and the interesting thing actually with both of these is it's nothing new it's things that have been on offer before they've just suddenly realized we now with you know people involuntary lockdown and schools about to close they have a big huge new audience rob the british museum in particular is actually having quite a big success. It's not doing anything new. This 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 is stuff that's been readily available for years and years. I mean, they will put new content online and there'll be a major push right now as, as people are increasingly locked down. But th- this is stuff that's always been there. It's just, I guess, um, the circumstances have changed and the audience has changed. So, I mean, it's collections section, which sort of picks up some of the highlights of the museum and tells you the stories behind them. On March the 10th, it had about 2,707 visitors to that page. Three days later, it was 116,000. Their visitors to their website have gone up basically from half a million to a million in the space of a year. And obviously that's because this year, this March, is very, very different. The other really interesting thing, the most visitors they've seen come from Italy, which obviously, as we know, has been very badly affected. It's had a serious lockdown regime. Um, so it may be that as the weeks go on, Italy sort of restricts things, that slackens. We see more visitors from the UK as... Perhaps things get a little bit more serious here and as the lockdown gets um, a bit more intense. And obviously, next week, when everyone's got their kids home from school, um, we will all be desperate to find things to keep them entertained and vaguely educated. Um, so I imagine those numbers will just go up and up. And I, I assume, we haven't had the figures yet, but I imagine every other major museum in London will, ha- will be telling a similar story. Coronavirus or not, Friday night is still Friday night and there's fun to be had. People all over the world are improvising in their own homes and getting in touch over things like Skype, over which our features editor Phoebe Luckhurst joins me now. And Phoebe, what are you doing tonight? 
<laughs> well, this Friday night certainly feels very different to a usual Friday night. I think currently the plans are to stay in the flat where I've been for most of the week now with my boyfriend and have some of our alcohol stockpile and possibly have a Zoom with our friend Nick who lives in North London, so opposite side of the river, just to check in and catch up on his week. Now, Zoom has become the big thing in this coronavirus epidemic, isn't it? Yeah, Zoom seems to have really taken off. Everyone's using it for meetings, but I've also heard of a lot of people using it to kind of keep in touch with family and, and friends. A friend of mine had a big kind of family Zoom the other night where they all got on with a with a drink and caught up because they're all in different parts of the country and it's a nice way to kind of see people and feel a little bit like you're actually physically seeing them, even if you're not. Do you know what? I've, I've been getting sort of... Uh, sort of text messages and Facebook messages from people I haven't really heard from in a while. I wonder if part of this might be people reconnecting with, with old friends again, because, you know, we don't... These are people back home in Scotland who I don't normally see, and now suddenly I've got an excuse to speak to them. I totally agree. I've actually been experiencing exactly the same thing, sort of WhatsApps, texts, Facebook messages, even from people who I hadn't checked in with for a while, but suddenly... People just wanting to find out how you're doing, share a little bit of their own kind of stories about about the madness. And I think that does encourage you getting in touch with someone that you might not necessarily have thought about for a little bit. I've also been catching up on some awesome telly, Phoebe. Now, I know that clearly you've got a far better social life than me. I'm sure <laughs> you never watch television, but I've been checking out things like there's a French version of War, on the Wild, War, War of the Worlds on Fox right now, which is absolutely tremendous. Have you been finding anything new or discovering anything new? You are so much more cultured than me. Um, last night, a very large group of friends and I, um, I think there were about kind of 30 people in this WhatsApp group, we all decided to simultaneously watch Legally Blonde. Um, so <laughs> we had a WhatsApp group going and we all had several drinks and we rewatched one of our favourite Naughties classics and sort of commentated at the same time. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you get the kind of same kind of atmosphere, the same camaraderie when you're all distant but still watching the same programme? It was very, it was mad. I think we were stranger than we might usually have been, but you definitely got a sense of camaraderie and and it all just felt, it felt quite nice to be doing something collective, even though we were obviously were kind of far flung and don't have any prospect of, of seeing each other in person anytime soon. This is only a few days into this. Can we keep this up though? It's been a strange, strange week and the novelty of things can sustain you for a little while. I have to say the prospect of living like this for a kind of considerable amount of time makes me feel a little bit edgy. I also think, though, it's important to kind of follow advice to keep keep your distance as much as possible, to, you know, to save your own health and, and, importantly, other people's. And I also think that you'll adapt behaviours. Like, this week I've been really bad at screen time. I've just been in front of a computer screen all day apart from you know, for brief forays to run in the park. And I think what I'm going to try and prioritise next week is working in a slightly more sensible way where I do get away from the screen and I adapt my habits a little bit. So I think it'll be really difficult. I think it'll feel a lot less fun. This Friday night, as I said, kind of feels a little bit less colourful than, than they usually are. The division between work and play will be kind of difficult. But I think we can do it. I think we're just going to have to be smart about uh, keeping our sanity. And that's The Leader. Subscribe through your podcast provider and give us a rating too. We're back on Monday at 4pm.